Amen. If you have your Bibles, open to Judges chapter number 8. Judges chapter number 8. And we're going to put press pause, I should say, on our series in the book of Galatians just for this Sunday. And let me just say, as you're turning there, it's great to be back. Thank you so much. Uh, for the prayers as we were out on uh, on vacation. We went to see my in-laws in California and then made a side trip to uh, the state of Hawaii uh, for a week and then got back and uh, and and we we are back in the valley. I was telling the first service, uh, I just forgot how, um, how hot it is sometimes here in the valley. Uh, the average temperature both in California and in Hawaii uh, in the morning was about 65 degrees, and then in the afternoon was about 75 degrees, always with a breeze every day and the sun. And, uh, and this morning when I walked out of my house at 9 in the morning, it was 85 degrees. And I was like, whoa, what happened? But, um, you know, even with the great weather that we, uh, we had over there and the great time and memories and the rest, I still missed church. I still missed uh, you. Uh, as as a congregation and as friends and um, and it's just great to be back. Um, I want to say thank you to, to Pastor Harris that two weeks ago preached on worship and how we are to worship God. I thought it was a great message. And then last week, Brother Josiah, thank you for bringing the message on Deuteronomy chapter six and and what a what a great message and challenge it was for each of us uh, as parents, grandparents, Christians people in general that follow God's word. It's just a great and wonderful challenge, and uh, I want to thank Brother Josiah for that. Uh, It was a wonderful message. I did not hear it live. Uh, There is a five-hour difference, believe it or not, between us and the state of Hawaii. So last week we were there, and uh, so I heard the message on the way back traveling yesterday, uh, but uh, or day before yesterday on Friday, but but I did visit uh, Kylie's church. I don't, I don't think Kylie's here this morning. Kylie and Fabian, but her dad is a pastor there in, uh, in the state of Hawaii, and we were at his church and, and had a wonderful time with them. But um, let me just say that I don't know what it is, uh, but if you've been out on vacation, you've gone to another church, it's a blessing. It's great to, to meet uh, new pastors and, and, and brothers and sisters in Christ in other places, but it just isn't home right? It just isn't our church. And, um, and so I'm just so thankful to be back and, uh, and just to um, be around this place. I have the opportunity once again to speak. I hadn't sp- uh, spoken in, in two weeks. Well, not that I haven't spoken. I've said words and communicated, but I haven't preached in two weeks. And uh, it is great to be back uh, in the pulpit. And, um, and like I said, once again, thank you for, for your prayers. Um, they, they were felt and uh, and they are greatly appreciated. Judges chapter 8 this morning. Before we jump into the, to the passage, though, this morning, the message, I do want to just mention this because I was talking with uh, the Ganaways, with Larry and, and Patty uh, this morning. They were just giving me an update with their great-granddaughter, Riley. Uh, we've been praying uh, for her for the last few months. Um, she had some complications after being born. And, uh, and they thought the last, uh, I guess, month or so, that controlled most of, of what was going on in her body. But uh, last night, around 3 in the morning, uh, her parents had to take her to a hospital in Oregon. Uh, she was suffering a little bit of hyperthermia, even though obviously the baby was covered and everything. And uh, so doctors are kind of working on her to, to try to figure out what's causing all of that. And uh, she's having back seizures again, which she was having in the beginning, 
they thought they had that under control and, and it's happening again. Uh, so I want to take just a moment this morning to pray for Riley, pray for her parents and, and uh, the family, uh, that God would just comfort and work in this situation. Um, prayer doesn't guarantee that everything's going to be okay and, and that uh, she's going to get healthy right away, but it does guarantee that, um, at least God guarantees, one, he will listen, number two, that he will answer, and number three, that he will be with us. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but in a life and in a world like our world is and how life is, it's good to know that an all-powerful God is with us, hearing us, and answering us. And so uh, let's just take some time this morning really quick, if we can, to pray for Riley. Let's pray. Father, first of all, we thank you this morning for being a God that hears our prayers. Thank you, Father, for not only being a God that hears us, but one that answers. And Father, this morning we come before you to bring what is on our hearts, and it's Riley's situation. And Father, you know from the moment that she was born, from the moment that you created her, that she was going to be facing this. You knew that the family was going to have to face this. And Father, we pray that, first of all, as this happens, that you would put your hand of healing on her, uh, that you would um, be with her. And, and Father, you know the, the pain that she's feeling, and you know what she's going through at such an early stage of her life. And so, Father, I pray that you would be with her. And then I also pray that you would be with her family, be with her parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. Father, you know how this has affected each and every one of them in different ways. And I pray that you would comfort their hearts. I pray that you would bring the promises of your word to their mind and Father, that they would remember that you will never leave us nor forsake us. That even in the times of difficulty and trials of life, that you are there with us. Uh, Father, you don't always take away all of the pain, but you do give strength to endure the pain. And so, Father, I pray that you give strength to the family during this time. I ask that you'd be with the doctors that are examining Riley, that you would give them wisdom as to diagnose what is going on in her body, and then give them uh, the wisdom to, to be able to treat it and that whatever treatment they decide on, that it would have the right kind of effect uh, on her body and, and that, Father, she would be able to uh, recover uh, in, a, in, in a way that she'd get her strength back. Father, I, I just prayed that during this time, during this day, that your, uh, that your presence would be felt and all that is done. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Judges chapter number 8. We're going to be studying from verse number 1 down to verse number 12. And I promised my wife I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's going to be short this morning, all right? If you look on your notes, um, this is not a new message. Uh, I just noticed that before I came up on the platform. I preached this in 2017. So uh, it's not a brand new message, but... It is one that God laid on my heart for, for us this week and uh, something to just kind of get us prepared for the summer, and I hope it's to be an encouragement to you this morning. So Judges chapter number eight, I'm just going to read uh, one verse, um, and you'll notice on the, on the front of the notes, 
it says 1 through 12. Actually, what's written there is verses 1 through 4 and then uh, verse number 12. So I just want to read verse number 4 this morning just to kind of save on time. And it says this, And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over. He and the 300 men that were with him faint. had a donkey and... And uh, this donkey was rather old, and it was already going a little bit blind. And, and one day, as it was walking through the field, it didn't see the hole that was there in the middle of the field, and, and it fell in. And uh, the farmer saw the donkey fall in and, and uh, obviously wanted to do something to get it out and got rope and, and, and used all that he had to try to get the donkey out of the hole, and all that he tried didn't work. And so... Uh, he got the uh, neighbors to come around to see if they could help to try to get the donkey out. And with the neighbors, they, they couldn't do it. And so finally, the, the farmer had to make a decision. And he thought, well, it is an older donkey. It was going blind. There's probably just a few years left in his life. Let's just go ahead and bury it. And of course, uh, he asked uh, his neighbors, bring your shovels. And we're just going to start throwing dirt on, on this donkey. It's, it's, it's gone for. Um, and, uh, and let's just bury it. Well, as they started throwing dirt on the donkey, the donkey realized what was happening, realized that they were going to be burying it alive, and, and so it started to panic a little bit and then kind of had a plan in its mind. And what it started to do was every time the dirt fell on it, it began to just shake. And it would shake off that dirt, and the dirt, of course, would land to its side, and it began to step on that dirt. And the more dirt that they threw on to the donkey, the more that it had to shake it off. And the more that it shook it off, the more that the dirt would land on its side and it would keep standing on it until it came to the point where the hole was filled and it could just walk out. It's an illustration of just enduring, an illustration of shaking things off in life. And though sometimes we can act like donkeys, we're not donkeys. Yet we can learn from that story that there are things in life that we just need to shake off. There are times in life when you're just going to have to move forward and endure. Most people know the story of Gideon. It's in chapter number 6 and chapter number 7 of the book of Judges. And, and Gideon, with an army of 300 men, defeats the Midianite army of 135,000 men. In fact, in one night, they kill 120,000 of them. Now, much of them were killed because they were fighting one another, their own army. God brought confusion on them. God killed some. God brought confusion on others to kill each other. And then the 300 men were spread out 103 different places in groups of 100. And as people were fleeing, those 300 were attacking them and making sure that they were taking care of them. But the story doesn't end there. In chapter 8, we hear the rest of the story because even though they had killed 120,000 of those soldiers of the enemy's army, there were still 15,000 that escaped. There were still 15,000 that were alive and God had commanded Gideon, I want you to wipe out the whole army. Not wipe out 120,000, wipe out 135,000. So that's what is happening in chapter 8. And when you get to verse number four, you find the condition of these men, how they were tired and faint. They had been fighting all night. They'd most likely gone about 24 hours without sleeping, without resting, just fighting. It says they were faint, 
yet pursuing them. You find the endurance that they have. In our Christian life, as I said, and as we begin this summer, you and I are going to have to endure. We're going to have to push through. We're going to have to make a determination in our life that we're not throwing in the towel, that we're not quitting this summer, but that we're going to move forward by faith with God. Now, how do you do that? How did they do that? How did these 300 men who had already killed 120,000 men, who had already been out for 24 hours, who had been fighting all night, how did they endure? Well, I want to share a few truths this morning on how they were able to endure. I want you to notice, first of all, that they were able to endure through criticism. Through criticism. If you look in verse number one, it says, And the men of Ephraim said unto him, Why hast thou served us thus? that thou callest us not when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites. And they did chide with him sharply. They're talking to Gideon, and they're saying, Gideon, you went to fight with just 300 men against an army of 135,000. Why didn't you call us to help? So here comes the criticism. After a great victory, after 120,000 have died, the rest of the army is running away. The people that had been oppressing them are no longer oppressing them, and then the criticism comes. You know, a lot of people, when criticism comes into their life, they fold. If just enough comments come on their Facebook, they don't want to go to church anymore. They read just enough articles that really talk about the problems that are in churches. They just say, that's it, I'm done with church. Because of criticism, they, they cease from enduring. But we see that these 300 men, though they were faint, were pursuing. They were enduring even through the criticism. And I want you to notice the criticism that they, that they had, that they endured. First of all, it was a criticism for what they did, right? He said, you went to battle, Gideon. How did, how did you go to battle without us? You, 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 you went to battle. You did what God asked you to do. And I mean... What were you thinking? There was a criticism there of what he did. Can I say that criticism in our life sometimes comes when we do something for God? You, you make a decision. I'm just going to be faithful this summer. Listen, without a doubt, somebody will criticize. It might be a family member, it might be a neighbor, it might be a coworker, but they might just be like, why do you always go to church? In fact, uh, I think um, Josiah referenced this last week on the Pew Research poll. I mean, even people that are polling people are saying, look, if you just go twice a month, I mean, that's every other Sunday to church, you're consistent. That's, that's a faithful member. So if you decide to come four times out of four weeks, then you're a fanatic at that point to most people. And sometimes people criticize that. Why do you think it... All the time you have to be there, and there the criticism was for what they were doing, yet they endured. Then I want you to notice the second criticism that they had. First, it was for what they did. Secondly, for what they didn't do. Now they're saying, I mean, why didn't you call us? Like, you went to war. That's what you did. I don't even know why you went to war. And now I'm also going to criticize what you didn't do, which is you didn't call us. I mean, we were ready to go. Now, the Bible doesn't really say, but Ephraim is not too far from where Gideon was at. I'm pretty sure they heard. I'm pretty sure that they knew that the battle was going on. I'm pretty sure that they knew that there was a war that was about to happen. 
Yet they were like, well, you didn't come and ask us personally. I mean, if you would have asked us personally, maybe we would have gone. We would have, we would have been there. We would have fought with you. You know, criticism in the Christian life sometimes comes for what you don't do. Have you ever had an event? Like you come to an event at church, and then the next week you tell somebody and you say, oh man, I, we missed you at the event. It was so awesome. Well, nobody told me. Nobody called me. Nobody called me. It was still a fun event. I just, you know, we're not criticizing. We're just wanting to say, next time you should come if you can. And sometimes people just don't want, and they're just going to criticize because that's just how we are as humans. We like to criticize. And sometimes we criticize what someone did. Sometimes we criticize what they didn't do. And here are these 300 men, having slept in 24 hours, 120,000 of the enemy's army has been killed. They're tired and they're being criticized. And yet through all of that, they're enduring. Sometimes in the Christian life, you're just going to have to endure through criticism. 1 Corinthians 9 says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. The apostle Paul is telling the church, the people that he won to Christ, the people that he shared the gospel and they came to Christ, now they're doubting his apostleship. And he's saying, am I not an apostle? I mean, did I not bring you? Was I not the messenger for you of the gospel? Paul knew what it meant to be criticized, yet he endured. This summer, you're going to be criticized for what you do, for what you don't do. Can I say, just endure. Keep going forward. I want you to notice, secondly, that these men not only endured through criticism, but they endured through difficult conditions. Through difficult conditions. William Barclay said, Endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn it into glory. There are things in our life that happen that are hard to go through. They're just difficult. Sometimes as Christians, we want to think that when difficult times come, it's because we've done something wrong. You see, I did miss two Sundays last month. That's why God's getting back at me. No, God doesn't work that way. Oh, it's, it's because I, I didn't read my Bible today. Now God's getting back at me. That's not why. We go through difficult times in life because we live in a world of sin. Sin is not perfect. It's the opposite of perfection. Because we live in that kind of world, we, we run into difficult conditions and difficult times. We have trials in our life that, that are hard. These 300 men, they weren't looking for a fight. They didn't wake up one day and said, hey, there's an army of 135,000. Let's go fight them. No. But yet, it was what they were called to do. It was something that God wanted them to do. And if they were going to complete what God had asked them to do, if they were going to fulfill God's calling in their life, they're going to have to endure criticism, but also difficult conditions. There was difficult conditions, can I say, during the battle. 
I don't know about you, but killing 120,000 men is not something that you do in your sleep. It's not something that you're going to do relaxing. Uh, these 300 men, yes, they had a torch, they had a pitcher, they had, they had uh, these horns. They did that, but they also had a sword. And as the army was fleeing, they had to go and pursue them and kill them. That takes a lot of work. That took a lot of time. There was a lot of the conditions that they were facing that weren't ideal. They weren't sleeping on their soft bed like they were at home. They were eating a nice meal like they were at home. It was difficult. It was hard. It was tough. Listen, the battle of the Christian life, it's tough. Stand up for what is right today, it's tough. I mean, we see this all the time. Put something positive on your Facebook feed and just see, count how many comments are good and how many are bad on any kind of issue. Take a biblical stand and you find there's a lot of pushback. Live a Christian life at work and see how conditions change. It's a life in which we live. And yet, the Bible said, endure, endure. Even in the difficult conditions, endure. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12 talks about this, enduring. I want you to notice not only their difficult conditions during the battle, but difficult conditions from pursuing the enemy. They were after the 15,000 that were still alive. Even though they had a great victory, 120,000 died. Wow, that was awesome in one night. The army, the rest of the army, they're running away. That's the direction you want them to go, back to their own territory. But it wasn't over. There are times in your Christian life where God will give you a victory, and you'll be like, man, that was awesome. Some of the young people, you go to camp, the messages will hit you, you'll make decisions, and you'll be like, this week was awesome. You'll make new friends, and you'll be like, I'm so glad I came, this was awesome. But you know, the battle's just beginning there. You'll come to church, and you'll, you'll see others, and you'll, you'll join hands with them, we'll worship together, and we'll, and we'll have some great victories as we've had this year. We'll have a great Mother's Day, and we'll have a great... Uh, banquet uh, for, for uh, the, the couple's banquet, and we'll, we'll have a lot of activities, and, and we'll have a kid's activity, and it's great, and, and we have a good time, and, and God speaks, and God works, and we make decisions, and all that's great, but there's still more to come. That's not the end. Can I say we're halfway through this year. It's been a great year. God has given us some great victories, but it's not done. God wants to do more. He wants us pursuing more. And I love that verse number four says that the men were faint, yet pursuing. Yet pursuing. I want you to notice not only were they enduring through criticism and enduring through difficult conditions, but in that enduring, they stayed committed. 
endurance is an evidence of commitment. Uh, you find someone that quits, you'll see a lack of commitment. Endurance is really all about commitment. It's not always about conditioning. It's not always about, oh, I just need more training. Sometimes it's just, you just need more commitment. We do need training. I'm not trying to discount training. I'm not saying that you don't need to uh, do exercises and, and, and try to get things going in your life. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is all of that without commitment means nothing. Sometimes when you're playing sports or exercising, uh, you might go to, to an event. And I, I've really never run uh, any kind of marathon in my life, but those that have, I've, I've spoken with them, and, and um, they have told me, they said, you know, there are some people in this marathon, there are some people that you would never think would be able to run 26.1 miles. Or if you do half a marathon, he said, there, there's some that can't even do 13.5 miles. He said, they just, um, they, you, you would look at them and you think, man, they're out of shape. <laughs> uh, they, they, they don't have, you know, the six pack and they don't have like these muscles that are just kind of ripping their shirt. They, they don't even look like that at all. They, they kind of look like, he told me, <laughs> he said this, they kind of look like, you know, you. <laughs> like, I'll try not to be offended on that. But he's saying, you know, you, you just, they, they don't look like they're in a gym all the time, but yet they can finish the marathon. And he says, they're not the fastest runners. They're not going to finish first on this marathon. All they do is, he said, <laughs> he said, some of them were just, the way they ran, he said, they almost shuffled their feet. They're like this. And I'm like, I told him, I said, yeah, right, not that slow. He said, that's slow. I'm, I'm not joking, Jeremy. He said, I could walk faster than them but it didn't stop them. He said the difference was their commitment to it. That's how they finished the marathon. Uh, can I say in the Christian life, it's just the commitment that's going to help you finish strong? You're not always going to get up on a Sunday morning and go, yes, church. You're not always going to open your Bible on a Monday morning and go, sweet Leviticus, this is awesome. They have no idea what it means. You're not always going to have these mountaintop moments in your life when it comes to the Christian life. But in those times, can I encourage you, the secret to finding something of new strength and renewal is just in enduring. It's good to have our college students back. I just see Miss Julia and kind of go back in my mind, to when I was in Bible college, and a lot of college, whether you go out for college or you're here at UTRGV or any of the colleges down here at STC, a lot of college is just endurance, right? It's just like, finish this three-page paper. What? Why? Like, just do it, right? It's just about, most of the time, professors just want to know, can you finish the work? I've thought about, notice I said thought, because I only thought, about maybe getting a master's. And then I look at what's required, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. 
I finished school a long time ago. I'm leaving that behind. But you know, most master's programs or doctorate programs, it's just about enduring. That's really all it's about. And the Christian life is all about it. It's all about staying committed. It's about taking those few steps. I like what Leo Tolstoy said in, in his book, War and Peace. He said, a man on a thousand mile walk has to forget his goal and say to himself every morning, today I'm going to cover 25 miles and then rest up and sleep. And wake up the next day and say, today I'm going to walk 25 miles and then I'm going to rest and sleep and wake up the next day. And if you do that enough times, you'll finish a thousand mile walk. That's how you do it. No different in the Christian life. You say, what were these men committed to? They were committed to not quit on their mission. Notice they were criticized for their mission of what they did and what they didn't do. Notice that as they were trying to fulfill their mission, there was difficult circumstances during the battle, after the battle, pursuing. But they were so committed to just finishing what they've been called to do. Their mission wasn't to destroy most of the army. It was to destroy all the army. Listen, our mission isn't, hey, let's have some good activities for the first six months of the year. That's not the mission. It's bigger than that. Notice, not only did they not quit on their mission, they were committed and they did not quit despite limited help. You can read from verse 9 down to verse I'm sorry, from verse number 5 all the way down to verse number 12. And they go to one city, they ask for help, no help. They go to a second city, they ask for some more help, no help. And they weren't asking these, these men of these cities, come to war with us. All they were saying is, can you give us some bread? Maybe some water, we're thirsty, we're hungry, we're about to pass out. We've been up all night fighting. Could you just help us out with a little bit of water? They said no. <laughs> and yet, with that, they kept pursuing. Sometimes in your Christian life, you're going to turn around and say, hey, uh, can, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And people that you thought were really close to you, people that you thought, man, they're going to help me in any situation, they say no. And when that happens, it's up to you to determine, are you going to keep going or not? Will you endure or will you quit? For some, it's like, well, I mean, no one's going to help me, then I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to find a way. I won't keep at it. And that lack of commitment produces a lack of endurance. You know, those 300 men, they started out with an army of 30,000. 20,000 left because they were scared. Another 10,000, more or less, left because they weren't aware of what was going on. Went to a river and just dunked their heads in the river. And God said, just look at to Gideon. Look at the men that are bringing the water up, drinking and, and kind of looking around, seeing if there's going to be any enemy attacking them. Those keep only 300 out of 10,000 did that. And yet, out of 300 committed people, an army of 135,000 was defeated. 
Say, Pastor, what's the principle? It's this. God can do more with 300 committed people than with 30,000 that are just on the edge, that are just on the fringes of, let me just see what they're going to do at church. Let me see what's going to go on. Let me see how they're going to go in the battle. What's the battle plan? Tell me the plan, Gideon. God can do more with 30 of us that are committed than with 300 in this auditorium. Commitment's the key. Commitment is what brings victory in the Christian life and endurance. That's what it will do. These 300 men, they're committed. They weren't the most talented. I would say they're probably not the best warriors Israel had. I doubt they were. But they were just committed to the goal and the mission and the cause. Hmm. Let me give the last point and we'll be dismissed. We noticed that they endured through criticism and difficult circumstances. They stayed committed. And then notice at the end they, they complete, completed the mission. They endured till the end. Can I encourage you, don't quit before you finish the task. Don't be happy with things that are half done. Go all the way. Don't be, don't be comfortable with the small victories that God has given. Look for the big ones. The big ones come about through endurance. The, the, the small ones come through God's grace, and they're all through God's grace. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, you want to see God do greater things, just stay committed. Just endure till the end, and you'll see God do even greater things than he's already done in your life. The secret's there. They completed the mission because they endured till the end, and then notice that God gave them complete victory. Verse number 12, it says that they discomfited. It's not a word we use very often, discomfited. It's an old English word. But the Hebrew word for discomfited means to defeat totally with terror. <laughs> In other words, to finish the job completely. The complete victory came as a result of 300 committed followers that were tired, faint, yet pursuing. The Christian life is all about that. At the height of World War II, Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor there in Germany, and he was imprisoned for taking a stand against Hitler. And during that time, he urged the believers in his church to resist any kind of Nazi tyranny. And one day, a group of Christians, believing that Hitler was the Antichrist, that they were already living through the tribulation, came to him in prison and they said, Diedrich, why do, why do you expose yourself to this danger? Why allow yourself to get put in prison? I mean... This is the Antichrist. Jesus is coming soon. I mean, why are you doing this? Just let it go. Jesus is coming. We'll just wait for his return. And this is how Diedrich Bonhoeffer replied to them. He says, if Jesus returns tomorrow, then tomorrow I'll rest from my labor. 
He said, but today I have work to do. I must continue the struggle until it's finished. Enduring. Enduring. All his friends were saying, Diedrich, quit. It's done. It's over. It's fine. He said, when Jesus comes, it's done. June 12, 2022, Jesus hasn't come. Let me just tell you right now. What does that mean? We mean it means we need to keep enduring. It means we need to stay committed. It means that there's still a mission to complete. This morning, I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us to just endure. Endure through the criticism that you'll face this summer. Endure through the difficult conditions that come as a result of walking by faith. Stay committed to God and let God bring complete victory in your life. If we can do that, I'm telling you, it'll be a summer like no other. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and your truth. Father, what a great reminder this morning from the life of these 300 men that you have called us to endure. And Father, I don't know what the rest of this summer holds for us, but I do know that Father, we're going to have to determine to follow you. We're going to have to determine that no matter the circumstances and no matter the difficulties that we're going to be facing, that we need to stay committed. That we need to wait on you for complete victory in our life. Father, you've called us to do many things in our church this summer. You've called us to reach others and I pray help us to not quit in reaching others. You've called us to encourage one another and I pray that you give us the endurance to encourage one another. You've called us to pray and love one another, I pray. And I ask you to help us endure in prayer and in love for one another. Oh, there's so much that we need to endure. Help us to this, this week and this summer. May we find in you the power we need to keep moving forward. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.